There were so many jokes about Noah and the Ark going around that week, followed by nervous laughter. Forty days and forty nights, people said. Would the rain ever end? And favorite weather forecasters weren't able to hold out much hope, though they could help folks understand something about the system that stalled, called Agnes, Tropical Storm Agnes. It's obvious to say, but the weather is always with us. So often, weather talk smooths our everyday conversations. And those who study such things suggest there is something known as weather memory, that we tend to remember events from the past with greater clarity if they're related to unusual weather. In fact, Mark Tradinick says that while we make history in normal weather, extreme weather shapes us and our history. Between downpours and conflagrations, we get a sense of the greater part of who we are. As we say, we make history most of it quiet in mild weather, but we speak out who we are in fires and floods. We find ourselves in drought. We think of ourselves as a people who know how to pick up the pieces when the floodwaters ease and the fires are doused, when the cyclone has petered out. And so we are. And so the national memory is crowded with images of the damage the weather often enough wreaks and how bravely we bear it and get on. And it looks like we're going to get plenty of opportunities to keep proving it in the years ahead. Words of Mark Tudinick from his essay, The Weather of Who We Are. And as we remember Tropical Storm Agnes and mark the 50th anniversary of the devastating flooding in this region, these are the fundamental human matters that we'll be exploring. As we immerse ourselves in first-hand memories, if we have them, or learn through the experiences of others who do have first-hand memories, Al Minnelli is an award-winning filmmaker who tells stories in a way that is deeply felt, and he's been charged by WVIA, having just joined the staff, to take his camera out to the river, to travel its length, to meet people and hear their memories, and most of all, help us see how the weather events of June 1972 have shaped us and prepared us for a future in which the weather is changing in predictable and unpredictable ways. Agnes 50, Life After the Flood, is a documentary film that will have its premiere on WVIA-TV on the 50th anniversary itself, June 23rd, tomorrow night at 9. And Al stopped in to talk about what he discovered along this journey, and we asked him what's distinctive in his approach to making films. I think it's just telling stories that no one else is telling, finding something unique that's kind of tied to nostalgia and childhood, but also this sort of melancholy of adulthood. So it's sort of blending those two together, which is usually what I do in my personal work at the drive-in and marionette land. The other work, it can pop up. I try, you know, I always try to put my personal touch. I feel like as as a filmmaker or any type of storyteller, whether you're an artist, a musician, whatever you do, if you're given an assignment to do something, part of you and what you're experiencing at that moment will find its way into the piece. I mean, it, it has to. 
So for, for something like Agnes 50, so I'm full-time here at WVIA. My first project is Agnes 50, this documentary, a feature documentary about the 1972 tropical storm Agnes, the flood, the devastation, all of that. I was not alive in 1972, so I don't have that first-person account. Now, it's not necessary to have, but it can help shape your sort of point of view. I grew up in an area, Clark Summit, that doesn't really flood. I just didn't have experiences dealing with flooding. I don't live near the Susquehanna River. So this was something completely out of my comfort zone, and I knew it was going to be challenging. So while I was kind of preparing for this and while I was even shooting it, it kept changing and evolving. And I kept finding ways, not not necessarily looking for ways, but just discovering ways to kind of add what you were talking about, that kind of personal touch, the human stories, you know. So I would be interviewing people, but I would find out that they had an interesting personal story or personal connection to the flood. So it's... uh, It's evolved, and I think this film definitely has my sensibilities, but I think it also kind of shows the breadth of this giant flood event and its impact on our region 50 years later. I mean, people are still talking about it 50 years later. I mean, we've just made a documentary, you know, so it still is relevant 50 years later, and this film proves why it's still relevant. We here can be geocentric and think, oh, Wilkes-Barre, the Agnes Flood, and maybe we think a little bit upstream and maybe a little bit downstream. But you take a look at the length of the flood in the entire region. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I went all the way up to Tawanda, Bradford County up there through Tunkhannock. We definitely touched on Wilkes-Barre. As someone says in the film, look, if, if you're going to tell the story of Agnes and you could only do it in one town, it would be Wilkes-Barre. And that's just because the level of devastation that they had and all the national attention. I mean, President Nixon at the time came to Wilkes-Barre. So that was definitely going to be part of, you know, we didn't want to ignore Wilkes-Barre, even though everyone in every Agnes feature, story, everything, it's always focused on Wilkes-Barre. But we had to have Wilkes-Barre. We go to Danville, Bloomsburg, Sunbury, Sealands Grove. Sealands Grove is one of my favorite places to go. The Isle of Kew, which is kind of like this strip of land that sits between Penns Creek and the Susquehanna River. And these people that live on this Isle of Kew in Sealands Grove, they've lived there most of their lives, most of them, and they don't leave when it floods. They are just so ingrained into the Susquehanna River that they are prepared. When the water comes, they know where to move their furniture. They all have boats. So uh, meeting some of the residents there and talking with them, I kind of felt like, oh, yes. So this is where I was able to sort of put my style into it and find these people, and especially this guy, Jim, Jim Charles. So fascinating. And he just kind of sat on his porch during Tropical Storm Lee and watched all the floodwaters go under his feet and into his house. And these are the types of people... I don't have that experience. So meeting these people, you're just like, whoa, (laughs) you didn't leave during a flood. And so just meeting those people and seeing all these towns, they all have unique stories. So you can't just focus on Wilkes-Barre. You can't just focus on the Wyoming Valley, even though that was the big, that was sort of ground zero. 
but it just stretched so far. So it went up into New York State, you know, like people in Maryland felt the effects of this. So it's it's definitely not sort of local to us. I mean, even though we, we seem to think it is. In the course of the film, do you ask, what if we had done? What if there had been other flood mitigation protections available to us then? Or what have we done since then? If it happened again, mm-hmm. would we be ready? Are those the kinds of questions that you raise? Yeah. So, I mean, the film eventually midway through kind of really goes into modern day flooding, the issues, the politics. I mean, you wouldn't, especially me growing up again, not having to deal with flooding. You know, it would be like having to research tornadoes. Like We don't really have tornadoes here. But people in the Midwest would probably know all about the politics or anything relating to tornadoes. But I I came to discover there are a lot of issues with flooding, political issues even. Walls and levees. Wilkes-Barre has this big wall and and all these levees. And you think, great, yeah, we're protecting Wilkes-Barre. But there's towns downstream that are getting pummeled. I mean, in, in 2011 with Tropical Storm Lee, Bloomsburg, West Pittston. These two major municipalities were destroyed, and it can be tied back to the flood mitigation, the walls, the levees up here in Wilkes-Barre. So that, that alone raises these sort of questions about our relationship to from town to town and the responsibility that we have. And it's not just, oh, let's put up a levee or a wall. There are implications upstream and downstream. I mean, you can back the water up. You can make water rush downstream even faster. So there's plenty of examples like that in the film. One thing that's actually not in the film, I spoke to a person from Sunbury, and he's in charge of their whole flood mitigation system, all their levees and wall and and the pumps, everything. And he said that the Army Corps of Engineers did a study about Tropical Storm Agnes. If Wilkes-Barre's wall was higher and their levees were higher and they didn't overtop the way they did, that water would have traveled down the Susquehanna at such a velocity that it would have destroyed Sunbury. Now, Sunbury, in the documentary, we go into how their wall saved them. Within two inches, two inches, the water almost overtopped the Sunbury Wall and just destroyed Sunbury. But it held. And it that would not have happened unless Wilkes-Barre's walls and levees got overtopped. So I think things like that are so fascinating that I just never knew about. And I'm sure maybe a lot of people who live in, in flood areas do. But to actually hear these practical examples and stories and see footage. I mean, there's so much footage in this documentary, not just of Agnes, but of Tropical Storm Lee. And that was something I didn't expect and we didn't expect to go into. There's a whole segment on Tropical Storm Lee. It's almost like the sequel to Agnes in a way. I mean, there were other floods between Agnes and Lee, but in terms of just the scope and devastation, Lee was the sort of sequel to Agnes, but they were different floods. And they were different floods for a few reasons. And that's all part of nature and climate change and that's all part of the sort of raising of the levees that happened in in the early 90s so all these things flood insurance i mean you don't even think of you just think oh flood insurance they don't 
include that in your homeowner's insurance because they need to make more money. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So we go into all this stuff and it's not just a, hey, let's look back. Let's look back at Agnes and tell the same stories. I mean, we all know the, the stories. We've seen everything. This is how do all of those stories still affect us today? Because these towns have these visual scars from Agnes. I mean, we go to Milton, this tiny town, Milton, and you can see on the wall in there, I think it was the, the Moose Lodge, on the wall, in the paneling, you can see the water line 50 years later is still there. So just things like that are what really fascinated me making this film. You have so much to do in so little time relatively in a case like this, but does the storytelling from the regional and local media and the national media of the event itself turn up in your documentary in any way? Well, we use a lot of newspaper clippings. Newspaper.com was like, it, it was basically like discovering plutonium. It was like, what? And then you have all these articles and the newspapers were very helpful and, and willing to let us use those. It's much different than getting news footage to kind of get something from NBC or ABC. It, it's a much different, harder process. So we relied a lot on newspaper clippings as well as footage. We do have footage. We have a library of, of footage. And the newspaper clippings actually really help tell the story of West Pittston. So anyone listening who lives in West Pittston is familiar with West Pittston. To me, that was the dramatic core of this film. It's like West Pittston and their sort of plea for a levy. They've wanted a levy for so long. And they were left out of the Wyoming Valley levy project. And there was a whole debate about this and then in 2011 when tropical storm lee came and all these other towns have walls or levees west piston didn't and because they all had walls and levees the water just flooded right to west piston just shot there like a missile and i mean just the photos are, are devastating and the footage that we have wvia in 2011 went out first person shooting a lot of this stuff. So we have this amazing Tropical Storm Lee footage. And when I say amazing, I just mean like it's devastating. You know, some of it's hard to see because these are people's homes and we still have all this stuff. And I think just seeing this story unfold of West Pittston, the newspaper clippings really helped fill it out because there were citizens who wanted a levy and there were citizens who didn't want a levy. And there's two sides to this story. And I think this story is a microcosm of the whole film because we raise a lot of questions in this film. We don't really give you answers. And I think that's what we need. That starts the conversation. So in the story of West Pittston, I think you can kind of fall on either side because there were people who wanted the levy and there were people who didn't. And when you see how the story unfolded, I don't think there's a right side or a wrong side to what happened. And that's, to me, what was most interesting. So we kind of go through that a lot in the film with other issues. Should this community have a wall or a levy? You know, just the, the right or wrong and that sort of debate. And we don't really give you the answer. You kind of are left with what you think. 
You mentioned the phrase climate change, and in the trailer there's a woman who says, I believe in climate change. (laughs) The situation is different now, 50 years later, Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be paying attention to shifts in rainfall amounts and storm intensity that maybe we didn't 50 years ago. Does that come into the conversation at all? Of course, and climate change is the reason that Agnes and Lee were different floods. I mean, that's not the only reason, but it's probably the main reason. The types of flooding that happen now, and there's a part in the film where it's not necessarily a montage, but it's a series of people explaining that the biggest threat to their community is not the Susquehanna River flooding. It's the creeks and streams. And that's because of flash flooding. And that's because the types of rain events that we get now are not these sort of Agnes, like like with Agnes, there were a lot of rain storms over over a couple of days the ground was saturated and then this this system just kind of stalled over Pennsylvania and dropped a lot of rain what's happening now is that same amount of rain is falling in a couple of hours and these flash floods are causing so much havoc that the towns they can't keep up with that amount of rain in that short period of time so it's overtopping levees it, it's it's catching people by surprise because you can't monitor creeks and streams the way you can the Susquehanna River. You don't have the technology to predict because there's so many dams that come in creeks, man-made dams, just trees falling down. So that's sort of the big issue. And that's because of climate change, because our temperature, our average temperature has risen two degrees since 1972. And it's going to raise another almost six degrees by 2050. That's just 28 years from now. So... It, it's it's going to change the way weather occurs and the way rain happens and these rain events. So we definitely go into that. And, and a lot of people who are much smarter than me <laughs> can talk about it much better than I can. We'll, we'll explain that in the film. As a filmmaker, someone who puts together how to tell this story, do you use narration? Do you use music? How do you create a flow? We use the metaphor of the river. Is there any sense <laughs> of that in the documentary? I think it flows very well in terms of each scene kind of leads into the next. I certainly use music. Music is very important. You know that, Erica. You know music is very important to me and sort of capturing the emotion and, and telling the story. So there's definitely a lot of music in the film. And I think it kind of reflects each town, you know? So the music isn't necessarily, it wouldn't feel like it's all by the same composer, but each town kind of has its own theme in a way. It's not a beginning, middle, and an end. It, it does kind of flow from one spot to the, to the next. So uh, where, where you end up is kind of different. And I think anyone expecting just Agnes, you're not gonna, that's not what this is. I mean, it's definitely in there a lot. And everything goes back to Agnes. So Agnes is Agnes is the through line that everything comes back to because that was sort of the beginning of all of the, all right, we really need to focus on flood mitigation in this area. We need walls. We need levees. We need flood insurance. I mean, flood insurance, the National Flood Insurance Program, it had just started, I think, in 1968, but it wasn't universally available all over the country. And Agnes was one of the things that, that changed that. So everything goes back to Agnes. The story of Agnes is so big and so important that WVI8TV will dedicate the entire evening to programming about Agnes.
They're sending Larry to the riverbank. Is that what I understand? At 7 p.m., Larry Voitko and his show, Keystone Edition, they're going to be doing an Agnes special right on the Susquehanna River in Wilkes-Barre, which, I mean, that's going to be cool. And they're going to have people on to talk about the issues that we go into in the documentary and other issues. You know, I know our brand new news team is collecting stories at the West Pittston Library to kind of do their own news stories on Ag. So the whole station, I mean, we are literally going all in on Agnes coverage. And like I said before, there's a reason. It's still relevant. And it started everything in this area revolving around flood mitigation because there's so many people who are impacted by it. I was lucky that I grew up in an area that wasn't, but it's still in our collective area. So if you don't have experience with flooding, if you don't know the difference between a wall and a levee, this film will be for you. I mean, you will get to learn all that and see why it's so important and, and how many people are truly affected. So I do think it's it's important to see these things, whether you're affected or not by it. One more story from the Almanelli point of view of a human interest story. Well, I, the thing that sort of inspired me or intrigued me the most was everyone I spoke to was super passionate about what they did. You know, I spoke to a, a gentleman in Bloomsburg, a gentleman in Sunbury. I mean, these were these are two guys who were basically in charge of managing and overseeing the walls, the levees, the pump stations, all that. And they both use the term, they like to nerd out over the, and I'm just like, nerd out over, over pumps? <laughs> like, you know, and it's like that, that passion, you know, I just think, oh, well, you can only be passionate about sports or filmmaking <laughs> or, you know, but no. And that's what makes, I think, this documentary even more fascinating. You know, I showed it to some people internally already. And one of the comments I got was, man, the interviews, the people that you interview are so colorful. They're so lively. They're so passionate. And that makes the film better. Rather than just someone sitting in a chair just talking in a monotone voice, these are people who literally are obsessed with what they do and helping people. You know, we spoke to people who were on the front lines during Tropical Storm Lee and the decisions that they had to make about evacuating and just hearing all of these first-person accounts. It's incredible. You know, again, I did not expect people to actually be passionate about that work because I'm not familiar with it. So that was sort of surprising to me. I would say one thing or the biggest thing that I learned while making this film was of all of the things we have to worry about in Pennsylvania, of all the disasters, of all the everything, our number one threat is flooding. And I didn't know that. I didn't even, I probably should have realized it, but in some areas it's earthquakes, some it's tornadoes. Here in Pennsylvania, our number one threat is flooding. And that is why Agnes is still relevant and everything in this film, from walls, levees, flood insurance, other flood mitigation, all that stuff. It's all very important. Climate change, again, it all goes back to Agnes. 50 years later. WVIA's Al Manelli, an award-winning filmmaker, speaking about the original documentary, Agnes 50, Life After the Flood. And as Al just talked about the flood professionals who are so passionate about what they do, 
we hear the passion in Al's voice, his commitment to this documentary, and it will have its premiere on WVIA-TV on the 50th anniversary itself, June 23rd. So that's tomorrow night at 9, and we have a whole evening dedicated to the Agnes anniversary. As Al told us, at 7 in the evening, Larry Voitko will be on the riverbank in Wilkes-Barre, and he will present a live edition of Keystone Edition Reports. It's titled Agnes 50. He'll have guests, and he will have a wide-ranging conversation to help put the events of Agnes in perspective 50 years later. Then at 8 o'clock, right after Keystone Edition, Remembering Agnes, that's a special presentation of a remastered 1997 documentary created by WVIA. At 9 o'clock, then, it is the premiere of Agnes 50, Life After the Flood, the broadcast premiere, and it's an original film by Al Monelli. And that's followed by Agnes, the Flood of 72, and it takes us up into New York State, areas including the Elmira Corning region of New York, and that's produced by WSKG. And this whole special block of programming will re-air on Saturday, this Saturday, June 25th, beginning at 7 in the evening. So all Saturday evening, you'll see a repeat of all of these programs. And then again on Sunday, June 26th, at noon, starting at noon. So Agnes 50, Life After the Flood, the broadcast premiere, tomorrow night at 9 on WVIA. For all the details and to see some trailers, it's wvia.org, wvia.org.